0: Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins.
1: A couple of leads in, shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row.
0: Six rebounds and eight assists.
1: Hollins oh, oh. climbs Climes the
0: stairs.
1: Down the floor. Ryan oh. Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Bucher. Rick Buker.
0: Welcome to another episode of Buker and Holland, subsidiary Bucher and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Bucher. You can see me on FS1, you can read me on Bleach Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick Bucher and on Instagram at Rick underscore. Buker. He is Ryan Hollins. You can see him on ESPN, and you can follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram at simply Ryan Hollins. All right, I expected that we were going to talk about LeBron James and parenthood and the A- and the AAU circuit and all of that. I was expecting that we were going to talk about that, and we will. But we now have the David Griffin, former Cleveland Cavaliers GM, now GM of the Pelicans, and a story that came out on SI.com in which he talks about being miserable in building a championship team around LeBron James. So I will start there and we will work backward, if you will. What, Ryan, was your reaction when you heard the comments that... David Griffin made in that SI.com piece.
1: Well, I was uh I was doing Jalen and Jacoby at the time, and it and it popped through, and it was such a strong statement. We had to address it, and you know when I think of LeBron James and I think of his greatness, he's the one star that's different of the greats of the Mount Rushmore, in that he can turn it on and off, and LeBron's a thinker. So LeBron kind of is able to sort out and doesn't have this warrior mentality all the time of, is it worth it, Rick? Is it is it not worth it? Hmm. And after he won the championship and he had his eyes set on L.A., I believe he definitely, you know, he went out and performed that year. Amazing performance. Mm-hmm. But you knew he wasn't two feet in in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And for a general manager, that's what drove Grip crazy, so you can imagine you've invested eighty million into Tristan Thompson, probably about was it was it fifty or some odd from, from thirty to fifty into J R Smith, mm-hmm. uh, and you've really doubled down on that Cleveland team, and now you know LeBron's kind of 50-50 on everything, sure, and the writing is on the wall to get out the door, yeah. So for David Griffin, for general manager. He made the smart move and bowed out because it's probably, I don't want to say the worst position, because if you you string it the right way, uh, you can can kind of alleviate yourself from the blood guilt, you know, where Mm -hmm. uh, a coach is in a horrible way, but, you know, how do you evaluate yourself as a general manager? You don't play the game and you don't coach the game. You just put the players on the floor. And if the players don't work, they're likely coming for your head.
0: Right. Yeah, I believe Griff, I believe the piece was accurate. And I know this from Griff's position, that what he had to do was not the way that he would build a team, that he had to make concessions and he had to make deals that he knew were were short-term deals and weren't, weren't smart deals in the big picture. And that's what a GM is supposed to do. I also believe that uh, dealing with Dan Gilbert was was a part that wasn't underlined in the piece. And in one respect, I can understand why it wouldn't be because Dan Gilbert just had a, a stroke and I don't know what the status of his health is, but I don't get the sense that it's very good. It would be, I think, bad form, bad timing to really lay into to Dan Gilbert. But I know that, that, that Dan and the way that he operates and what his expectations are, uh w- were probably a bigger part and and that's where things may have been not given proper context or weight when it comes to the story but that said dealing with lebron james has always been a load for everybody and it was a a load worth carrying because he could deliver at the very least get you to the finals and, in some cases, win you a championship. It was whatever you had to put up with, you were willing to put up with. I, I, gotta, I gotta follow your lead. I gotta, I gotta keep you happy. That's gotta be not my number one thing. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna get a ring? Okay. I'll, I can live with that. I may not enjoy it. It may not be what I signed up for. But I can do it. The great difference that I see that following year and now... Is that people don't see that it's worth it. I and mean, that's why Griff doesn't is not afraid to come out and talk about things that I've been hearing for years, but no one wanted to ruffle the feathers of LeBron James or even upset him because they didn't want to have to deal with the possible repercussions. I just don't get the sense that people fear him the way that they did previously and you're going to hear more and more about the challenges and, and it's not necessarily fair but this is what this is what happens when you're at the top of the mountain and you do everything your way and then you begin to falter a lot of people want to come back at you and make you pay the price for their having to pay fealty to you for all these years
1: hmm i mean uh and also understand this, you know, in terms of Dan Gilbert. It's hard to come to terms when you know that as much money as you spent, uh, you you set the table to do everything you can to have a great organization. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a player's league. Hmm. And I say that to say LeBron James is the, the sole reason that that championship came to Cleveland. True. And if you're Dan Gilbert... You got to think Dan Gilbert's a guy who has literally taken his entire life into his own hands. He has control of just about any and everything, right? Snap of his finger, it happens. And the one thing he never had control of is LeBron James.
0: So are we not going to give David Griffin some of the credit? Are we not going to give Kyrie Irving some of the credit for winning oh, a
1: championship? Oh, it's, a, it's a team sport. There's no there's no way that you don't. Um but guess what? When you, I, I like to list things like this, Rick. Uh, who can you replace? I don't. I can't put another person in LeBron James' shoes, right? Kyrie Irving. Possibly that could have been Paul George. You know what I'm saying? Possibly that could have been uh, Steph Curry. Could have been in Clay Thompson. You know, could have been a number of other stars. You know, maybe maybe five guys. LeBron James is it. In this equation of the Cleveland's championship, that's the the name I can't leave off. So I don't think it's ever disrespect to any of those guys. But now, when you speak value of hey, what can't I do without? Well, LeBron James there, sure. And you you do have to credit, uh, um, Griff. And I was there with Griff and uh before LeBron. Well, I guess before and after him, whatever, however you want to say <laughs> you give the time lapse. Um, But he's a communicator, man. He's a realist. And you can really appreciate his work now just making this Pelicans trade go through, man. Uh, Building what he's doing in New Orleans. And obviously, unfortunately, you couldn't see it before. And from talking with people from LeBron's camp, from talking with Griff and just working with him on TV and my relationship, just like, you know, he kind of just rolls with the punches, man. But he put that whole thing together. And the one thing that we've never heard David Griffin complain about was his credit for the championship, and you know LeBron James wasn't the general manager. Yeah, he had a hey, I like this guy, I like that guy, but he didn't he didn't sign and trade guys and, and move guys around. Rich, Rich Paul was the agent uh, in the equation, and those guys really uh, got kind of you know zero credit for the work that they've done. And now you're starting to see it with what Rich has done in in L.A. and signing guys and you know getting Ben Simmons extension. And you're seeing with David Griffin in New Orleans, but that credit wasn't there from NBA circles, Rick.
0: For 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 Griffin and the job that he did, I don't know about yeah. that.
1: I, 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 I think... well, me and you, yes, to the naked eye, no, and he never made a fuss about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the the moves that he made, bringing in J.R. Smith, Mozgov, Amon Shumpert, the deal that he made with the Knicks, those were instrumental pieces. I thought that Griff made some moves that needed to be made that were that were key ultimately and they weren't in a great they weren't in a great situation um he really had to uh maneuver to get those uh the those additional pieces that that were pivotal at that time for winning a championship i want to ask you also now since then uh lebron has responded on twitter presumably to the piece and obviously I was on FS1 with Jason Whitlock and we talked about this uh, extensively. I'm sure you talked about it on ESPN and LeBron has since put out on Twitter. All right. All right. Enough is enough. The throne has been played with too much and I ain't for horseplay. Ether coming soon. And then uh, a bunch of emojis. Most of them fire emojis. Hashtag James gang and then uh, a black fist. What's your thought about
1: this tweet? I don't really know. It's too cryptic. I don't know if he's mad at David Griffin. Yeah. I don't know if he's kind of saying, you I'm know, fine. did you see what I did during that run? You're saying my killer instinct was gone. Uh, but, I, I mean, I can't deny, like, the thing about LeBron that drives people nuts and why he's my greatest of all time is that he literally has the ability to turn it on and turn it off. And I will say, maybe the respect had had been gone. The the better yet, I would say the fear had been gone. Because there's a fear when you don't know how to get a championship on your on your own. there's that there's like I hey mean, what what is this gonna look like? What's it what's what's gonna happen? Right. And he kind of just did what he did with no Kyrie Irving and. No, Isaiah Thomas. You know his health wasn't there, and had one of the greatest runs we've ever seen. Right. So it's you know apparently LeBron feels some type of way. We just don't know to what extent. Rick, it, it, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I knew what it was.
0: Well, I, look, it's a clapback of some kind. It has to be. And this is not about what has happened. This is about what he's going to do. Ether is coming. Right. To to suggest that it's it's. I'm going to... Yeah, okay, you guys are messing with me. I'm going to show you different. I, if if he hadn't already done the My Playoff Intensity level has been activated and that turned out to be hollow, I'd, look, LeBron, if all of this is getting under your skin, I don't want to tweet. I want to, I want to see you breathe in fire when you come into next season. I want to see you playing in a way that I haven't seen you play in a couple of seasons. Because... Honestly, what Griff said is I've been saying since he made the decision to go to the Lakers. This wasn't about winning. Winning's not at the top of his priority list. It's not. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for anybody to pretend, including LeBron or Rich Paul, that it is, dude, stop trying to sell me smoke. It's not, I'm not, I'm not buying. It's, it's too evident. You're operating in a way that you never have before. You didn't. You didn't care. You didn't. You weren't worried about what kind of roster you had. You weren't worried about the pieces being in place. (laughs) Like all the things that you've always needed to have, you weren't concerned about. You signed on the dotted line as soon as you could, and you signed a long-term deal. You even gave away your leverage, the leverage that you've always had. So you're operating a completely different way, and that's okay. You want your son to grow up in 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 L.A. and you want to live in Beverly Hills, and you want to start on your your. Production company and making movies. I do oh, hats off to you. You you've earned that. But don't but don't try to sell me on. I'm doing all this. And oh by the way, I'm as hungry as ever for a championship. Nah, I ain't buying. I'm sorry. I'm not buying. And you're insulting me by trying to sell me that. Because I can see, and I can hear, and I can read.
1: So and, 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 and I don't need Griff, this. Yeah, there's there's uncertainty there. Like it was. The thing that when I, when I came to Cleveland that made everybody so upset and i I know that feeling wasn't the same a lot of saltiness and bitter I mean literally there was a lot through the organization is that everybody walked on eggshells because they didn't they didn't want to be the reason that LeBron left There was this unwritten you didn't want to be the reason, but you didn't know you
0: didn't know if you were or not you, you didn't know you what know the reason would be that
1: would send him out the door, did you and then when he when he left. Everybody, oh man, forget that dude! I, I, I right. you know, and everybody was so upset. It wasn't just necessarily that LeBron left, but it's that he held his cards so tight, you know. But I, I mean, I'm not. You mad didn't at the know way. what he wanted. You didn't know I, what was. You
0: didn't know he, what was going to keep him or was going to send him out the door. Or I'm reading. I'm going to get a little touchy feel on feely on you here. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a book by Brene Brown called Dare to Lead. Just started reading it. But I just read this section, which is, is, it talks about clear, being clear is kind. Being unclear is unkind. And basically, it's when you're working with people, let them know what it is that you want. Let it be clear on what you want, on what you're doing, on what is expected, whatever it is. If you are clear, you are being kind and if you are not clear then you are being unkind and lebron james has been unclear most of his career it's not at least from the people that i talk to who have worked with him they're never sure they're always they've always walked on eggshells and maybe in part because he doesn't know exactly What he wants, it's, it's. I'll tell you when I get there. I'll tell you when it's in front of me, whether it's what I need or what I want. But that's unfair to, it makes people uncomfortable around you. And again, LeBron could overcome all of that because he was so good and there's so many other things, positive things about him. It would compensate for that. But now we're at a point where the biggest compensation was, hey, yeah, okay, so things aren't always clear. I'm not sure what you want but you have a track record of getting me where I want to go, which is to the NBA Finals and possibly winning a championship. So I'll roll with being uncomfortable. I'll roll with being unkind. I just don't get the sense that people are willing to roll with that anymore, even even after the fact. And I would expect that David Griffin's probably not going to be the last person that's going to speak out. Just because well, people can they've been holding their they've been holding their mud up until now,
1: yeah, yeah and, and what Griff was just saying that it was it was like impossible for him to do his job right because everything revolved around LeBron and let's just keep the darn perspective here, Rick, excuse my energy, but so Rick, this was a player who ran the franchise how often do franchises make us walk on pins and needles yeah players sit on ten day contracts and 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 you, you you know, you don't know whether you you know you you go you shoot sixty percent or seventy percent or you're passing the ball too much or how you're gonna be judged. So heck, I'm all for a player having control. We are the game, we are the market, we are the reason people come to see and LeBron figured it out. So although Rick, I, I, I hear you it wasn't kind, wasn't quite fair. But if you haven't been on a 10-day, and I don't give a darn about the money we make or excuses. Yeah. You ain't lived your life on a 10-day contract or something, and I'm not saying this is the dumps. Mm-hmm. This is business here. No, Eric. I hear you. I ain't mad at LeBron doing it for the players.
0: I'm not mad at LeBron, and I would say, I dare say anybody who could control their universe, who had the power and the authority to make all the decisions. They would make everyone's Their first inclination, especially in their 20s, possibly in their 30s, would make everyone bend to their will. But here's the thing that we learn as we get older, which is we don't know everything. And sometimes we need help. And for the same reason that I think that it is a major, major mistake to give a coach, both GM and coach, Authority. I think the same thing when it comes to players. And what we see now is LeBron's not alone. LeBron, it was just the first. KD and Kyrie have done the same thing in Brooklyn. Kawhi and Paul George are doing the same thing with the Clippers. We see players now not only choosing where they're going to play, But who they're going to play for and who they're going to play with. And this is, again, you know, I look at whether it's Lawrence Frank or Sean Marks, like they're now in the David Griffin position of having to do what's going to keep their star players happy. And the problem that I have is when you're in the fight, when you're in the thick of it, I don't want... The the coach is too close to it. Players are too close to it. I need someone who has the objective stand-back view to be able to make the decisions on how we're building this roster, how we're spending this money, so I'm doing it both looking at the short-term and the long-term, and my emotions, for the most part, are out of it. And that's not what's going to happen in these instances.
1: And and I threw out the factor of Dan Gilbert not necessarily having control and maybe having unrealistic expectations saying, hey, Griff, I expect a championship with or without LeBron. Yes. Whoa. whoa. Yes. Whoa. From where? Yes. Who, Who do you think I am? Yeah. And I'm not saying that Dan Gilbert has those expectations, but there are a lot of owners that don't Punch the numbers and know the game and see the X's and O's and and, and study it. And I tell you one thing about, like, Griff knows basketball. We sat around, like, Griff knows who can play, who can't play. And your owner's going, well, get me a championship. Well, dude, dude, that ain't happening. So
0: think about this. This is the part, I think, for me that wasn't captured in the piece. David Griffin had to satisfy and serve two masters. LeBron James and Dan Gilbert. Now, what do we know about LeBron James and Dan Gilbert? Especially, especially when, after LeBron came back to Cleveland. They were never on the same page. LeBron came back and agreed to play there, but they only, that, that was a detente because LeBron wanted something. He wanted to make good on leaving Cleveland. He wanted to make good with the people from where he was from. It wasn't about making the peace with Dan Gilbert, they tolerated each other. And as things moved on, I'm not even sure that they, it was minimal. Their conversation, From what I understand, their conversation, their exchanges were absolute minimal. There wasn't a whole lot of communication between the two, only as needed. So imagine you're David Griffin, and you got Dan Gilbert, and you got his, what he wants, and then you got LeBron James and what he wants... And you're trying to satisfy both of them. That ain't a happy place to be. That is an impossible place to be, as I can see it. So are I'm you, not surprised at all that he was
1: miserable. But you're supposed to be the reason that LeBron stays.
0: Yes. <laughs> you're yes. supposed to
1: be the reason that he stays, or, man. Or, you if,
0: can add that. or if he leaves, that you guys don't miss a beat.
1: Oh, so, now, man. so
0: now how do I keep LeBron happy when he wants me to go all in right now? And I got an owner who says, oh, by the way, we need to be able to pivot. If that dude walks out the door, I got to know that we can still compete and we're and we, not going to fall we, off the cliff like we did last and we, time.
1: And we just set a record in in season ticket holder attendance, and we we even sold it up to them that LeBron would be here, right? Kyrie would be. Right. We even we sold that up, right?
0: So I want to before we before we go, I do want to hit the second part, which is actually the first part, which was. LeBron and uh, he's in, he's he's in the it's I just it's comical to me I, it's funny for me just to say it. He was in the layup line dunking at his son's game and then at one point his son made a nice play and he ran out onto the floor and he lost his shoe and grabbed the shoe and ran back and that became a topic for for two or three days and I got to tell you as a parent at AAU games. I'm looking at it going, what are you doing? like the kids I, I understand the kids on that team are loving the fact that LeBron James is at their games, but I'll say this they're loving that he's there and that he's watching. they know that he's in the gym, him in the layup line, him running onto the court that doesn't add anything to it as I see it for the kids i and and I just look at it and I think, if I did that, if I ran out onto the floor and I went, got in the layup line. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters, May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? He he would be mollified. If I if he went, he made an unbelievable play and I ran out on the court, dude, he wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't talk to me for a year. Now I understand LeBron is different, but my point is, dude, you're LeBron James. You have to work so hard at being normal. You have to work hard at not taking advantage of the things you can take advantage of because you're LeBron James. There's a a vast majority of people out there who have no problem with what LeBron did because they love LeBron. But if anybody else did it, they'd be looking at it going, dude, what are you doing? Sit your ass down. And that's the problem that I have. In that arena, in that situation, and I've seen other guys. I've, I've seen Matt Barnes coach his team. I've seen his coach's sons in Vegas. And his sons were tearing it up. You would have never known that they were Matt Barnes' sons by the way he coached the team or by the way he reacted. David West is in watching his son. Hat low. I, you know, there's, it came around the gym. Everybody's like, David West is here. Everybody's like all excited. And I had to like scan the stands to find him just because I wanted to go over and say hello. To me, that is, that is the approach that I would hope That LeBron James would take that he would understand your shadow is so immense the focus anytime you're around is naturally going to fall on you you have to go out of your way to not distract from what's supposed to be your son and your son's teammates playing in a tournament now you tell me you're a father you tell me where I'm wrong on this because I know there's a lot of players that have defended him and, and I can appreciate what they're saying, but I think they're wrong.
1: There, there's layers to it. Uh, I have coached my son up. I, I re, actually, I refuse to coach my son personally when it comes to like, AAU. I want to have nothing to do with it mm-hmm. because I want it to be his show, his success. Mm-hmm. That's my mindset. Um, I don't and, even want to be, don't even look at me.
0: And you, you know? know, you know that when you're in the gym, everybody knows It's different. that's Ryan Hollins. And that's Ryan yeah, Hollins' yeah. son.
1: And I also, um, I've also coached AAU. And, you know, I, I, I can't lie. I had an itch to go hop in the layup lines and say, hey, man, you guys aren't going hard enough. Let me show you what it's supposed to look like. Like, I want to hop out there. Mm-hmm. I do, even before the games. Um, and I didn't. But, as far as the excitement, I feel like LeBron took it on as he would have cheered his own teammates on mm-hmm. in an NBA game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He brought that atmosphere to the game, and he has allowed himself to be tangible, accessible to billions of people
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just the the comfort level the insecurities are gone he is doing what he wants to do yes and he's making his own rules and ultimately at the end of the day he's there for his son and i don't have a i don't have a problem with it and i don't think that you know anybody was saying that or 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 taking it that far right but as an African-American male and grown up in, you know, urban situations, I know these daddies aren't there. And it's the the real, like, hold on, like, he's a dad and he's there. Right. And that comes from a place of passion with a lot of these guys going, man, even I'll take LeVar Ball as my daddy. Sure. Uh, he's there. I'll take LeVar Ball as my daddy. I'll take LeBron James as my daddy it, with their imperfections. Is it possibly the correct etiquette? No. Do we know what the correct etiquette is in these situations? No. They're all getting rewritten, Rick. All right. So, I, I'm I'm not against it. I wouldn't do it personally, mm-hmm. but I don't mind LeBron doing it. And I think he's he's really a trendsetter. Like he's changing so many things. And was was wild, Rick. And I want to know what you think about this. Or I'm just gonna ask this to you. I feel like as a former player, AAU basketball was the funnest time of my life. Mm. If you played AAU sports, club sport. It was the funnest time. Mm-hmm. You're like you're you're living off Doritos and Gatorade, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing back to back, games. playing five funnest,
0: games in a weekend. Yeah,
1: and, and like it's not really your coach. It's like your, <laughs> your your boy's dad or something. You're like you guys are doing what you want, <laughs> right. essentially. You're, right. You know Right? Not right. 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 your high school you coach. You guys yeah. Walk around a strip mall, you know, whatever. After all day, you know, you're on your yep. legs, like. It, that's the biggest worry. Do you feel like LeBron James is kind of going back to like, hey, this was my safe place, AU basketball? Hmm.
0: hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I can, I can see that as a possibility. And and look, what he did is it some major indiscretion? No, nah, nah. no. I, it's I, and and look, a lot of this was. Instigated because Jason Whitlock, on Speak for Yourself, did a uh, uh, his Whitlock to open the show a couple days ago, in which he said to LeBron, "I'm gonna say to you what you said to your mom, sit your ass down, like it doesn't need to be all about you. This is not your time. This is not your place."
1: I gotta ask you this. I gotta ask you this, Rick, because you're you're. What was the temperature like? Kind of, because this was some national, like, "Yo, Whitlock, we're coming for you." I thought I was the most hated man in sports yeah. for a while. Oh
0: no, <laughs> no. It's what hot. was the temperature it's like, bro? Hot. And you know what's funny is, in this instance, I agree with him as far as, and again, it's just from my experience. I and I'm conscious of this with my kids. First of all, as I said. I just look at it and go, if, if, I, if I did what LeBron did, my kids would not talk to me. My son, and I said this on the show, <laughs> my son in middle school hit two free throws with about three seconds left, end up being, uh, they were down by one, he goes up, swishes two, immediately gets into the press, they end up winning. I had a clip, I think my wife sent it to me, of him hitting the two free throws and I put it on Instagram. And I talked about just how proud I was that he's, you know, he's, he's worked on his game, etc. His form was great. Like, just proud dad moment. And he saw it and he came to me and he said, Dad, I wish you had asked me before you posted that. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm just, I was just proud of you. But when dad steps in and dad begins to advertise you, in his world, like that changes that just changes every th- now it feels like you're taking something from me, and it may have been a good intention, but that's mine Wh- who's to say I didn't want that attention or i just you know I just I, it made me realize you know what he wants to ball and he wants to do his thing, and dad can be proud of him but dad can can you can you look at this through through what I'm doing as opposed to what you want to do or you want me to do.
1: Well, check check this out, though, Rick. See, so you and your son have that relationship. But as I, as I think more, you got to understand, Br- Brownie's the firstborn. Yeah. And we, we I'm a history major. We always got to look back. Yeah. LeBron and his mother probably have more of a, you know, brother-sister relationship almost.
0: Hmm. Okay. Forgive
1: me if I'm wrong. I don't yeah. want to assume. She was a young mother, yep. and it they they I'm sure they speak to each other candidly. You, sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure, it's sure, not sure. the normal. Hey, mama, you are mama. Right. I love you and respect. But we speak candidly. Right. You didn't some things from me. I didn't see some things about you. They're more brother sister. I get it. And LeBron as a young dad, um, and Bronny is the firstborn. I feel like those two have more of a like. Hey, like we're boys. Like, like I'm gonna talk. I'm, it almost looks like LeBron is treating Bronny like a young man already. Than just, oh man, you're still a little boy. Like they, they talk. That's interesting. They talk. They keep it real. So it's That's an there's thought. different dynamics. Me and yeah. my, I was scared to death of my dad. It's yes sir, no sir. That's yeah. our dynamic. Yeah. But it appears, and I don't want to judge. I'm not trying to be. But I and I, I love it, man. A father's a father. But it's a more of a, we're boys. And I don't think that is necessarily the wrong approach either. It's just a different style of sure. parenting. Sure.
0: Well, I, I just, this is what I'm conscious of because obviously my recognition level or celebrity is like a, a half a percent of what LeBron James is. Mm-hmm. But people know who I am when I'm in the gym, whether I'm going to my kids' games or I'm just going to an AAU game, they know. They know who, they know who I am, and I know I have eyes on me. And like my son the other day uh, said to me, I mean, and both of my kids, like they're conscious of me, they're conscious of my reactions. And my son said to me that his his teammates asked the other day, I "Go, why does your dad always look mad when he's watching when he's watching us play?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like,
0: I'm just trying to be as non. Reactionary as I yep, can, yep. right? I'm I'm trying to have no emotion. I'm trying not to get on the refs. I'm trying. I'm trying not to do anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't my show.
0: Exactly. And so that's that's just where I come from. And so when I look at what LeBron did the other day, that hits me wrong because that's not the way I approach parenting and or at least parenting when it comes to basketball and AAU and and all of that. And again, and here's the other part that I'm going to say, when when and you and you brought it up about like all the, you know, all the black young men out there, uh all the black men who have grown up and didn't have a father there. And so we instantly go, "Hey, you know what? LeBron's there. He's there with his kid." And so it's all good, and i I reject that at this point because i don't whether it's black or white, and there is as many absentee I guarantee you you we want to go across the country there are plenty of absentee white fathers too that ain't a that ain't just a black thing, but I don't want that to be i don't want our past to be our prologue I don't want well because all these these generations before us did it wrong that if we do anything like we're better than that i'm like no let's just hold a standard for ourselves black white whatever whatever our experience is we're gonna be we're gonna be fathers like i look at you ryan and i don't i'm i'm not giving you extra credit because you're a good dad i'm I'm appreciating and respecting that you're a good dad, but but for me to look at it and go, man, he's a black dude and he's a good dad. To me, that's racism. That's that that's like that's a racist attitude. I just look at you and I look at or my friends where I live. I mean, anyone. I look at them and they're being a good dad or they're being a good parent. I'm like, yeah, cool. I respect that. Not like, oh man, you're you're being a good parent, and that's really not you know, probably the way you were raised or whatever. It's like, I, I I just, at some point we need to stop looking at things through the prism of, uh, accepting less than, uh, and grading on a curve. If that makes, if that makes sense. I think to grade on a curve is a racist sensibility and not to play that card too heavy, but I do think it's, I think it's, it's, it's looking at things through a prism and, 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 You may disagree. You may feel like, hey, I'm I'm not giving enough credence to what it's like to grow up without a parent and then be a parent yourself. But I just think at some point we gotta let let's set the bar for all of us. Let's set a standard and not great on a curve.
1: No, I hear you, but the thing is, Rick, the reality is the numbers are so bad. When I say the numbers are bad among African-American males and it's just a situation, it is bad. And a lot of these numbskulls, I'm going to come with numbskulls for some of the things they do. You look and you go, man, this, this guy murdered <laughs> you know, five people or, oh, man, gang violence, drug, mm-hmm. whatever. No dad at home. Mm-hmm. You, the, and it, these percentages don't lie. So when you do see it, and even at an NBA level— there are a lot of nba absentee dads if you don't necessarily get along with baby mom a lot of these dudes move on and they don't know how to be dads and it's a vicious circle so Hmm. i i will take the extent of yeah dads let's be better like just we we don't want to applaud you for just being there i agree with you rick you you just being there ain't enough dude like you you should be doing that right (laughs) like why am i gonna applaud you you're doing what you should be doing but it is like an issue. And obviously, like, I don't want LeBron starting the trend of like the dads getting in the layup lines, you know. But maybe maybe the YMCA layup lines I won't have a big well, gripe but, with, you so, know. So here's <laughs> the thing. that not in Vegas. <laughs> so if, if,
0: if somebody, I, I guess this is where it, it, it kind of divides when it comes to that. I'm not, I, I wouldn't get out, go out of my way to criticize him for that. If you ask me do I think he should do it, no, I don't think he should do it. But if you want me, like, I, I guess where I get sideways is people, like, uh, celebrating him for doing that. And I'm like, no. He's just
1: there. Yeah, he's there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's you know, if he's going to practice. No, I I, I did this one time. Like, we, you know, the dads got together. We wanted to teach the this AAU team a lesson the guys that we were coaching like you guys weren't playing hard enough and we kicked their ass now that was in a practice Mm. you know And, and if LeBron's showing up at practice and he's dunking and he's like dude how much cooler is that in that you have an exclusive view of watching LeBron James and you actually he plays a little pickup with you you're playing up and down the court and you get to play with LeBron James how, to me, and and no one's videotaping it. Like, that's just your experience. It's a little bit like Team USA, 92, and all those guys, the practices. They said were the most fun. Why? Because it was just them. No they cameras. were experiencing something that no one else, they weren't doing it for the crowd, they weren't doing it for fans. It was, we just get the experience of balling with each other.
1: Take this into account, though, Rick. We can all accept how hard it is are going to be for Bronnie. He he's never lived the average oh, day or normal day in his that's life. That's the
0: other part too. Dude.
1: Right? But but hear this. And I want to know what you think about this. There's an extent of either I'm I'm going through the marketplace with the scarf and the hoodie and glasses over my face, yeah. or I'm just owning who I am. Yeah. And in a and these are shoes nobody's walked in, bro. I mean, think about this, Rick. We're looking at it. This is elite company. You know, how Magic Johnson raised his kids, how Michael Jordan raised his. And, and, and we're looking at LeBron James because as much as you and I want to talk about examples of fatherhood and what should and shouldn't be. yeah. LeBron James is, in a sense, telling Brownie, man, we are going to be free. The people aren't going to own us. We're mm. going to own them. And not mm-hmm. in other exact words. Not Don't get that out of context. But right. we're going to own – Bronny you're gonna own your life. Right. I'm gonna own mine, and you're. We're going to live. Right. We are. You're gonna play AAU basketball. You're gonna go to Vegas. You are going to live, and we. And you know what? It, it, we could break the internet, and they're gonna. He might have told his son, you know what? They're gonna hate that we do this, but guess what? We are gonna keep doing it. Yeah. This it's it
0: is. Look, and I'm glad you brought up like Magic and Michael, and because I can't imagine, <laughs> like, like, how hard it is. To be a regular dad. I said it, but but you're making me rethink. I, I said, look, it's really hard to be a normal regular dad. But yeah,
1: my daughter rummages. Hey! In here, uh, say hi, Buppy. Hello. <laughs> right on cue, right? Sorry, Rick. Okay.
0: Are you gonna she's she's gonna wrap up the show with us?
1: I guess she is. or okay. She's probably going to get bored and run out. She just wants to see what's going on.
0: Okay. All right. So, you know, the last thing I want to I, I hit real quickly here is, so LeBron is front and center. LeBron is making his presence felt. But LeBron shows up for the Frank Vogel press conference, and he stands in the back and he does not speak and to me that was like okay wait a minute what are you what are you doing here because if you're gonna be there then people are going to want to hear from you as far as an endorsement or, or something or don't be there like you can have a million excuses I'm out of town I'm on business whatever but you being there, standing in the back and not saying anything? Again, unkind. It's unclear and it's unkind. And it, it, it that's where the confusion that LeBron creates and when he chooses to be ultra-visible and then visible but silent, it... it, it it, I, look, it doesn't surprise me, especially because I already knew that how people felt behind the scenes. It doesn't surprise me that David Griffin said what he said, and it just—I don't know. I, look, LeBron is so great in so many ways. Maybe I'm being unfair to think that he should like what, he should be—he he should have the whole package. But I can't which, say that which, he has the whole package because he doesn't. Which, There's some flaws. Okay, there.
1: Which, which, check this though. Mm. We, you don't have to be uh, 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 born yesterday to know how he feels about Frank Vogel, okay? You're <laughs> just that high, okay? We, we don't need to pretend, Rick. We don't need. We don't need. We, we're not going to do that. But I also thought I also throw this out in comparisons, okay? Stop it. As my daughter tries to turn off the microphone, mm-hmm. um, I throw this out in comparisons. Back in 1990, in the 90s, if Michael Jordan popped in on, you know. We don't even remember. I don't even remember the coach before. Doug Collins. Bill Jackson. Doug Collins. Maybe, 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 was it Doug Collins? Yep. Okay, okay, he pops in in the back and just leaves. There's no video. There's no one writing about it. No, no, no. Mm. Nobody even mm. knows, bro. Mm. Mm. Those stories are just – or the reporters are no, like, hey, man, you shut your mouth or you'll never have access again. Yeah. They knew to protect, protect the Jay. You know what I'm saying? So there there is an extent of access that we do have to a megastar like LeBron <laughs> sure. James, to Kobe Bryant, that we, we do have. And and you know what our job is to do? We clamor onto every little thing. Yeah. But I, I just think it's a little bit of both, Rick, where if this was nobody, it wouldn't be a, a big idea. And yet, on the other hand, did you know what it means. You know what it means. <laughs> yep,
0: yep. And case in point, we just spent an entire podcast talking about LeBron James in I a variety of right. ways. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it <laughs> would. And he said, "The only thing we have is a cryptic tweet." Right. Yes,
0: for the most part. Yeah, that's the only his that and showing up at his son's AAU game and dunking and and running onto the floor and all of that created a podcast that uh, went forty five plus minutes. So we'll end it here. That does it for this episode. Uh, don't forget, we appreciate all of you uh, rating and reviewing our podcasts. Please leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts. And then if you want us to do something for you, screenshot that and send it to at Buker friends.
1: Oh, let me throw this out too, Rick. Yes. So to all the fans out there, if you're hearing this, we need you to tweet or hop in the Instagram comment section, Buker and friends, wherever you do this. And I've got, I've got some shoes that I would like to give away, but their size, you know, like 16 or 17. Yeah. So I will ship out a pair of Ryan Holland's tennis shoes. I know you guys very likely do not wear sixteen or seventeen, right? So we, I want to see the consensus because we're we're we're, right. we're trying to do some cool cool things yes. for you guys.
0: Yes, I did the same thing. I got a pair of uh, Kobe, never worn Kobe Air Force ones mids, the ones that he wore in the two thousand two three season, and uh, they're black purple with the sparkly gold uh, laces. Mm. Uh, they're a cool looking shoe, size twelve. And I don't know whether if you're a sneakerhead, you'd want them just for uh, just for your collection, or whether we got somebody out there who wears a size 12—that's a little more of a standard size than uh, my man's closer <laughs> size 16 ski boats. But in any event, um, we're happy to if if let us know uh, at Buker Friends if uh, those are something that you guys would be interested in us having a drawing and and firing them out to you. All right, that does it uh, for this podcast. In the next will blackman will rejoin me and we will be discussing uh nfl we've got the hall of fame game we have uh we still have ezekiel elliott uh holding out dak prescott not paid yet and i do want to get into the guy who is responsible for all of these running back holdouts and he is and was a cowboy as well we'll discuss that in the next podcast in the meantime, as always. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands.